Welcome to Classic Comedy of Old Time Radio. I'm your host, Ron Ecklebarger. Here we go once again with the Bob Hope Show. This is episode number 480, which originally aired on January 30th, 1951. Here now is Bob Hope from March Field with his special guest, Judy Garland. Chesterfield, Chesterfield, always takes first place. That milder, mild tobacco never leaves an aftertaste. Go open a pack, give them a smell, then you smoke them. Chesterfield presents the Bob Hope Show. Transcribed direct from Marchfield, California. With Les Brown and his band of renown. For Chesterfield, yours truly, High Aberback. Lovely Doris Singleton and Jack Kirkwood. Our special guest, Judy Garland. And here he is, the Wright Brothers flight engineer, Bob Hope! Thank you very much. Well, here I am in Marchfield. I got an expensive reception here today. Before the steps were wheeled up to my plane, a group of soldiers locked their arms together and told me to jump and they'd catch me. <laughs> I did, they didn't, and I owe 12 bucks for cracking the runway. <laughs> it's the first time anyone ever made the opposite of a belly landing. <laughs> but I'm happy to be back at Marchfield. This is one of our oldest air bases. They've got some great flyers here at Marchfield. One guy had 20,000 air hours without an accident until he fell off a bar stool at the La Casita. <laughs> I didn't think that was that good. Really. <laughs> when I first got here today, I overheard Colonel Ganey talking to some flyers, and I was pretty proud when he said, Fellas, the Bob Hope Show is here tonight, and believe me, I'm going to be sitting right down there in that audience. I don't ask my men to do anything I won't do. <laughs> And in honor of my visit here, Colonel Ganey built special quarters for me. And nothing really elaborate. He just nailed Venetian blinds on an old footlocker. <laughs> and the section he put me in is lovely. It's a new subdivision called Gregory Transmitter Range. <laughs> it's so far from here, even Gregory can't find it. I'm not exactly sure where it's located. But one night a sentry yelled, who goes there? And a polar bear said, it's me and my girl and mind your own business. <laughs> polar bear was mistaken. It wasn't his girl. I wear rabbit fur nightgowns. <laughs> a pretty girl. <laughs> a friend of mine made a lot of money in Riverside a few months ago. He was smuggling privates into March Field. <laughs> No kidding, they got so many officers here, three guys just went to the hospital with saluting fatigue. <laughs> and boy, are these flyers young. When I stepped off the plane today, the colonel said, don't tell me they're sending us the 18-year-olds already. <laughs> Isn't that nice, huh? Of course, 18-year-olds don't mean a thing in the Air Force. There's a colonel here who can't take a plane up without written permission from his mother. And after a mission, he walks into the officer's club and orders a scotch and pablum. 
one of these kid recruits was marching with his knees way up high. Sergeant said, what's the idea of doing a goose step? Are you a German? The kid said, no, if I walk any other way, my diapers drag. <laughs> in fact, recruiting officers have been in a lot of classrooms looking for volunteers. I know one student who's been in Korea six months, and all he did was raise his hand to leave the room. And now for you, proof of mildness with no unpleasant aftertaste. Yes, that's what Chesterfield has for you. In the first place, Chesterfields are proved milder. We've got the authority. From many prominent tobacco growers, over a thousand of them who have signed a statement saying, to judge tobacco for its mild smoking quality, I smell it. If it smells milder, I know it will smoke milder. That's the standard mildness test. If that tobacco is made into cigarettes, those cigarettes will smell milder and smoke milder. That's why I smoke Chesterfields. And Chesterfields are made of the right combination of the world's best tobaccos. And you know, the way Chesterfield blends those tobaccos, their secret process means every Chesterfield will have the right combination of mildness with no unpleasant aftertaste. Yes, Chesterfields are proved to have no unpleasant aftertaste. We've got the authority for that, too. It's the country's first and only cigarette taste panel who reported Chesterfield is the only cigarette in which members of the panel found no unpleasant aftertaste. Yes, sir, those are the straight facts. That's what Chesterfield has for you, mildness with no unpleasant aftertaste. So always buy Chesterfield. Believe you me, they satisfy. Well, the Chesterfield gang has traveled to many service camps, but the trip up here to Marchfield was a real dilly. To give you an idea of exactly what happens when Bob is in charge of a tour, let's go back to early this afternoon. We were about an hour out from the Burbank Airport. Gee, Bob, I like flying to March Field like this, but why can't we travel like other shows do on one of the big airlines? <laughs> Stop worrying. Hi. Look at Les Brown's musicians back there. Look how relaxed they are. Yeah, but they were in that condition when we carried them on the plane. <laughs> Boy, that had a call must be wonderful stuff, huh? <laughs> you know, I'd like to use this time to rehearse the show with Judy Garland, but she's sleeping. I know. Hey, hey, Bob. Hey, look how this plane is flying. Maybe you're not worried, but I am. Oh, all right. I'll go up and check with the pilot. I probably ought to introduce myself to him. He might want my autograph or something. Oh, excuse me. Where's the pilot? That's me, Sonny. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I wanted to ask you something about the flight. For the first half hour after we took off, I noticed we were flying in the dark. What made it so dark? Were we going through some clouds? No, I, I'm a little nearsighted, and I always have trouble finding my way out of the hangar. <laughs> where, where did you get your flight training at Camp Han? Look, are you, uh... Are you... Are they with us? <laughs> Are you sure you can find Marchfield? Oh, yes. My husband used to work there. He held a very important position. He was the Marchfield supervising engineer in charge of alternating rotary synchronization. Oh, what, what does that mean? He took care of the slot machines in the office. 
I thought President Truman did that. <laughs> the officers were very grateful to my husband. He made a lot of money for the club because he was a midget. A midget? Yes. He got right inside the slot machine and kept people from winning. <laughs> and when uh, someone got two oranges in a row and they were waiting for the third, my husband came to the little window. <laughs> he did? Yes. He had a head shaped like a lemon. <laughs> I hope you keep us on schedule because we've got to rehearse and... Uh... Are we almost to Mark's field, Bob? Well, Judy, I didn't know you were awake. Well, I, try I tried to sleep, Bob, but I was worried about this plane. I've never flown at this altitude before. Oh, well, it doesn't bother me, Judy. In fact, it's the altitude that suits me best. You 17 feet above the ground? <laughs> we go any higher than that, my nose starts to bleed. <laughs> but I, I sure am glad you're back on my show again, Judy. <laughs> yeah, it's like old times, Bob. <laughs> See, I remember when you were on my show 10 years ago. I paid you the first dollar you ever made in radio. Do you remember that show? Yeah. And then I worked on six more and you paid me another dollar. <laughs> By the way, Judy, who's that sitting in the back of the plane, that fellow in the Air Force uniform? Oh, he was trying to get back to Mark's field, and the musicians offered to give him a lift. You know, Judy, this would be a wonderful chance to find out what the men really think of me at Mark's field. You call him down here and talk to him, and I'll sit behind this bass drum and listen to what he says oh, about Father, me. Oh, Father, no, that's not nice to put anyone on a spot well, like Judy, that. Judy, who's it going to hurt? Just go ahead and do it, will you? Please? Well, all right, all right. Oh, Sergeant! Me? Uh, uh, would you come down here, please? What's your name? Well, I'm Sergeant Arnold from the 22nd Air Base Group. Gee, you're Judy Garland, aren't you? Yes. Are you on your way back to camp? Yeah. I was on a furlough visiting my girl, but I'm rushing right back to the field because Bob Hope's going to be there. <laughs> I may learn to love this boy. Geez, Sergeant Arnold, you mean you left your girl just because Bob Hope is going to be at March Field tonight? Yeah, I'm a steward in the officers' club, and I have to watch the silverware. <laughs> oh, now that's the silliest thing I ever heard. Bob wouldn't steal their silverware. No. Judy, the last time he walked out of the dining room, he rattled so much he got a mating call from a Quonset hut. <laughs> It wasn't silverware that made the noise. I don't use all the little suspenders on my garter belt, and some of them tinkle against each other. <laughs> well, look, even if Bob did accidentally appropriate some of the silverware, I don't see why that's so serious. Well, the reason the officers are angry is that ever since then, they've had to eat with their fingers. <laughs> I thought they did anyway. <laughs> But not only that, Judy. Right in the middle of dinner the other day, some top brass walked in. Oh, that must have been embarrassing. It was. Have you ever tried to salute a general with a handful of hot tapioca? <laughs> now, wait a minute. This has gone far enough, Sergeant. Gee, it's Bob Hope. Yes, I was behind that drum and I heard everything. Now, I want you to answer me one question, Sergeant. 
If what you say is true, then why did Colonel Ganey send me a telegram in Hollywood begging me to come to March Field tonight? To get you out of the house so they could search it for the silverware. <laughs> That's a lie! That's a lie, I say. I never swiped anything in my life, and what's more... Now, wait, wait a minute, fellas. There's no use fighting about this. Bob, Sergeant Arnold said some things about you, and I know he's sorry. Why don't you forget the whole thing and make up? Well, I'm willing to shake hands. Okay, I'll shake hands, too. Here. <laughs> what was that? A knife and a fork fell out of your sleeve. <laughs> they did? I mean, naturally. I, I, I carry a knife and fork with me all the time. I... I work as master of ceremonies at a lot of dog shows, and I have to cut up their dinners. <laughs> Bob, if, if this silverware is yours, and you didn't steal it from Mark Field, why is it stamped M.S.? Well, that was my maiden name. <laughs> Minerva Flugelhop. <laughs> Bob, I wasn't serious in what I said about you. Will you accept my apology? Well, I don't know. I'll think about it. Well, that goes for me, too, Bob. We've been doing a lot of kidding, but one thing I'm sure of... You're not dishonest. Well, that's better. Well, now that we're all friends again, Judy, why don't you sing the song that you're going to do on the show for Sergeant Arnold? All right. I'm as corny as Kansas in August. I'm as normal as blueberry pie. No more a smart little girl with no heart. I have found me a wonderful guy. I am in the conventional dither with the conventional star in my eye. And you will note there's a lump in my throat when I speak of that wonderful guy. I'm as bright and as gay as a daisy in May, a cliche coming true. I'm bromidic and bright as a moon, happy night pouring light on the dew. I'm as corny as Kansas in August, high as a flag on the 4th of July. If you'll excuse an expression I use, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love with a wonderful guy. I'm as bright and as gay as a daisy in May, a cliche coming true. I'm romantic and bright as the moon, happy night pouring light on the dew. I'm as corny as Kansas in August, High as a flag on the 4th of July If you'll excuse an expression I use I'm in love, 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 I'm in love with a wonderful Crosby rate pretty high with the Chesterfield people. I understand in a month or so, they want you to come down south for the spring tobacco planting. Yeah, we're going down to Durham, and what a team we'll make. Crosby pulling the plow and me handling the reins. Uh, well, why does Bing have to pull the plow? Why don't you get a mule? Well, when you got a pair of ears like Crosby's, you don't need a mule. Yeah, for that matter, when you got a nose like yours, you don't even need a plow. 
Well, th- thanks for the suggestion, Julia. I, um... <laughs> but let's suspend this brilliant repartee for a minute while Hi and I sell Chesterfield. Friends, I want you to know what Chesterfield has for you. It has mildness, but no unpleasant aftertaste. Here's how to prove that. First, make our mildness test. Buy a pack of Chesterfields. Open them. Enjoy that mild, mellow aroma. Compare it, and you'll find Chesterfields are milder. Right, and tobacco growers have been saying for years, tobaccos that smell milder smoke milder. Light up a Chesterfield and see how true that is. Chesterfields do smoke milder. And with that milder smoke from Chesterfields, you get no unpleasant aftertaste. That fact has been confirmed by the country's first and only cigarette taste panel. Yes, those are the reasons for smoking Chesterfields. They're milder. And it's the only cigarette that has for you mildness with no unpleasant aftertaste. Always buy Chesterfield. Now, let's make for the music. Chesterfield, Chesterfield, always takes first place. That milder, mild tobacco never leaves an aftertaste. So open a pack, give them a smell. Then you smoke them. I was waltzing with my darling To the Tennessee Waltz When an old friend I happened to see Introduced him to my loved one And while we were waltzing My friend stole my sweetheart from me Howdy, folks. My name is Robert Hope. I'm a real mountain boy from Poonville, Tennessee. (laughs) Right now, I'm fixing to go to the big Poonville dance with my girl, Judy Mays. Man, oh man, she's pretty. She's got the deepest dimples I ever did see. In fact, her dimples are so deep, every time she smiles, her face caves in and she swallows her nose. Well, here's her house. Robbie! Judy Mays. Oh, dang it. <laughs> dang nabbit. Howdy, Judy. Sweet patootie. It's our needle stuck. Oh, it's sure good to see you, Robbie. Oh, good to see you, Judy May. My, my, you look prettier than a mess of possum frying in a pan of hog fat. <laughs> Is that a new drill? Uh-huh. It's made out of burlap. <laughs> burlap? Don't it rub your skin? No. I'm wearing burlap bloomers. <laughs> you know, you look kind of stiff of yourself, Robbie. I love you. I'm going to marry you. <laughs> oh, that's fine. <laughs> of course, if you loathe me, that's fine. Of course, I did have my heart set on marrying a girl. <laughs> what do you think I am? Well, you're too short for a mule and too tall for a gopher. <laughs> Come to think of it, maybe you are a girl. Of course I am. God dang it. What's the matter? I caught two of them in the bear trap last week and let them go. <laughs> well, as long as we're going to get hit, I guess it's okay for you to kiss me now. Well, I, I ain't never kissed a girl before. Oh, I ain't nothing to it. Come here. <laughs> oh, golly, is that how all girls kiss? Hey, well, where are you going? That's some more bear traps. <laughs> you like kissing, Robbie? Sure do. It's like getting hit in the face with a bullfrog. <laughs> well, come on. Let's be getting 
Sam. I remember the night and the Tennessee was. Now I know just how much I have lost. Hey, all the folks sure turned out for the dance. Yeah, I didn't think Clem could get this many people in his barn. Yeah, he's got the barn fixed up real pretty. Yep, looks just like the 7-Eleven Club in San Bernardino. <laughs> I like the blue room there. <laughs> Judy, I'd like you to meet an old friend of mine. This here is Splayfoot Aberback. Mighty nice to make your acquaintance, ma'am. Splayfoot <laughs> <laughs> and I have known each other for years. Say, Robbie, how chances of me having the next dance with your girl? Get lost, Splayfoot. She ain't dancing with nobody but me. Ain't got eyes for nobody else. Judy May is just as faithful as an old hound dog. <laughs> Miss Judy, may I have the next dance? I'd love to. Maybe I'd better give her a distemper shot. <laughs> Now, look here, Splayfoot. How do you like that? My best friend dancing off with my girl under the Tennessee wall. I sure wish there was another girl I could dance with and make her jealous. Uh, hi, Robbie. <laughs> well, if it ain't Bessie Flotsam. <laughs> Uh, Robbie, uh, you want to dance with me? <laughs> oh, I can't get past them buck teeth of yours. <laughs> You're the only girl I know can kiss a man and pitch hay at the same time. Uh, uh, and I thought I looked pretty tonight. Uh, I'm even wearing pigtails. I know. Ain't them pigs on the end of them kind of heavy? <laughs> I turn my back on you and I find you with my cousin Bessie. Well, you traipsed off with Slayfoot. I like him. He's a smart fella. That's right. I've been to grammar school. If you're so smart, answer me this. Who's the president of the United States? Roy Acuff. <laughs> what do you know? He's right. Slayfoot, <laughs> I ought to bust your head for a open for a for. <laughs> I'll have busted open your head, I tell you, for trying to steal my gal. Now, careful, Robbie. Slayfoot's a powerful boy. He's got a chest as big as a mountain. My chest is as big as a mountain, too. Yeah, but most of it's in the slide area. <laughs> you quit your yapping, Judy May. But don't you talk to her like that, you low-down, yellow-bellied, weak-livered, mangy, run-down, crawling, trunk of a snippet-headed, jug-head! <laughs> oh, hi. Yes, Bob. About those insults, you made them sound a little too convincing. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bob. It's just that I sort of got carried away with myself. <laughs> One more slip like that, and I'll have you back in uniform. <laughs> Don't forget, I know your secret. Oh, you wouldn't. Yes, I would. I'll tell everybody you're a member of the WAF Reserve. Now, let's get back. <laughs> now, now let's get back to the sketch, huh? Uh, wait. Fellas, stop your cuting. We'll all go and see my pappy and let him decide who's going to be my boyfriend. There's my pappy up on the porch. Hi, pappy. Howdy, Judy May. (laughs) 
Doctor, this here is Slayfoot. How do, boy? <laughs> nice to meet you, boy. And this here is Robbie. How do? Uh, uh... <laughs> Just a minute, daughter. I was fixing to pour myself a drink. Either you boys care for snorts? No, no thanks. Well, I don't ordinarily touch this stuff, but tonight's the big dance. Sort of a special occasion. <laughs> I thought I might have a little draft. I can't stand excessive drinking. I believe in moderation. So I'm just going to have a taste. You know, they don't make these oil drums as big as they used to. Pappy, both these boys here are crazy for me, and I don't know which one to pick. Well, whichever one gets you is a lucky man. My little gal here is a fine cook. And you know what to say. The way to a man's heart is through his stomach. <laughs> With you, that must be a two-day trip. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard a lot of great jokes in my time. <laughs> yes? But that wasn't one of them. <laughs> I'd sure like to get sliced with your daughter. I love her. Well, love is the only thing that counts, boy. I remember when my wife and I got married, we had a real mash on each other. Don't you mean a crush? No, a mash. We was loaded at the time. <laughs> well, I love Judy May, too. If we get married, we'll have a nice big family. If you let me marry Judy May, I'll take her away from here to the big city. Oh, now you're talking, boy. This ain't no town. Happy, then you want me to go with Slayfoot? Yeah, that's right, Judy May. Oh, fine. Now I'm left out in the cold. Oh, no, you ain't, boy. I got a nice gal for you. Well, who is it? My niece. Bessie Flotsam. Bessie Flotsam? She's the ugliest girl in town. She's ignorant, too. Well, wait a minute, boy. Uh, come in here, Bessie. Hello, Robbie. Would you like to go back to the dance with me and then to walk in the moonlight? Well, Bessie, what happened to you? That had a called wonderful stuff, boy. <laughs> Marchfield guy, you eagles of the sky. It's men like you who streak the blue that keeps old glory high. And we thank you so much. I want to thank Judy Garland, Doris Singleton, Jane Morgan, Jack Kirkwood for a wonderful show. Also want to thank the men of Marchfield here. Ladies and gentlemen, at Uncle Sam's Great Air Force Base here, at March you hear a lot of different sounds. Shortly before no human being should be awake, you hear this sound. Then comes the sounds of breakfast. Good food served in a quiet, relaxed atmosphere. <laughs> then comes flight time and the sound of planes. Great multimotor giants. And the whoosh, whoosh, whoosh as you watch the jets go by. Then the sound familiar to every man here at Marchfield, the sound of the supersonic planes. That was on the F-86. The sound won't get here till next Tuesday. 
And ladies and gentlemen, you hear another sound these days at Marchfield. That's right, folks. The sound of thousands of dimes being dropped into Marchfield's big market dimes bank. Let's hear that sound from coast to coast and put the 1951 market dimes over the top. Good night for Chesterfield. <laughs> As an American citizen, you can help bring about better government at a better price. Keep informed of the reports of the Hoover Committee and back the recommendations you favor. For free information, write to Hoover Report, Box 659, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Chesterfields have brought you the Bob Hope Show, transcribed from Marchfield, California. Be sure to listen to next week's Bob Hope Show with special guests Paul Douglas and Peggy Lee. Judy Garland was Bob's guest way back in one of our very first podcasts and one of his earliest shows. Here's what I had to say about her back then. What can one say about Judy Garland? She had beauty and poise. She could sing, dance, and act. She was born Frances Ethel Gum on June 10, 1922, in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. At the tender age of two and a half, she debuted on the stage of her father's movie theater, singing Jingle Bells, along with her sisters. She later went into vaudeville with her two older sisters, and at the age of 13, was signed to a movie contract by Louis B. Mayer. Now, for some strange reason... MGM executives thought her ugly and chubby. Mayer even called her my little hunchback. Can you imagine the effect of this on a young teen? As a result, she suffered from depression and insecurities the rest of her life. Now, we all know her as Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Judy went on to star in many, many more films, like Me, Me in St. Louis, which I intend to watch, Christmas time's coming up, and A Star is Born. She was also a huge concert draw and starred on radio and television. As with so many famous and talented people, her personal life was far from happy. In addition to her insecurities and depression, she was addicted to alcohol and drugs and was plagued with failed marriages and financial difficulties. She passed away in 1969 in London from an accidental overdose of barbiturates. She was only 47 years old. It is a fitting legacy to Judy Garland that her films and music still bring joy to millions and was carried on by her daughter, Liza Minnelli. Please send your questions and comments to host at ClassicComedyOTR.com. Come back next Wednesday for another episode of The Bob Hope Show and check in on Friday for the next installment of The Life of Riley. Until we meet again, in the words of Conan O'Brien, the beauty is that through disappointment you can gain clarity, and with clarity comes conviction and true originality. <laughs>